there. What's our prayer meeting look like on the eve of Thanksgiving? And the Holy Spirit reminded me of something I was challenged to do not long after I was saved. And what I was challenged to do was in my prayer time, in my prayer closet. Now listen to this. When you want to see how thankful you are, or rather how selfish you are, try this and it will reveal. Try to enter your prayer closet and not ask God for one thing. Just simply give Him praise and thanks for all He's done for you. And I'm going to tell you, that will often, and I've done it often since, that will reveal to you a very selfish person. Because the first few times I'd done it, I would begin to thank Him, and listen to me, I would literally really be thanking Him for great things He has done, great blessings He's given me, but you know how selfish we are? When you know you're to be bowing in prayer and not asking Him for one thing, just be thanking Him, you'll be thanking Him and all of a sudden you'll ask Him for one of those blessings again. So I want to challenge you tonight. It's our prayer time. Tonight these altars are going to be open for one thing, and that's to give thanks to God for who He is, for what He's done in our lives. I would challenge you, come to these altars tonight and don't ask Him for one thing. Now when He laid that on my heart the eve of Thanksgiving on a Wednesday, I had to say, but God, wait a minute. I'm going to be standing in front of a bunch of people and some of them's going to be real heavy hearted. Some of them's going to be broken hearted. Some of them need to ask you of something for someone. That's the day I found out about Ben. You guys remember Louisiana Ashley? They come here. They're here on Sunday nights. You know who I'm talking about? Come on. We called her Louisiana Ashley. He was Ben. He traveled. They was a young couple. They wanted to get involved here in the church. Anybody remember who I'm talking about? Let me tell you what happened. Wednesday we found out that Ben had got run over. Work took him away from us. They ended up back in Louisiana. And he got hit and he got killed by a car. Got killed in a car wreck. And I knew some of our people knew him. And I was heavy hearted for Louisiana Ashley. There's a young widow now with kids. And Ben had had such a heart for God. And that quick, he's gone. And I knew some of our people knew him. And here I am going to tell them to come in on a prayer time like that. And don't ask God for nothing. Don't, don't ask God to comfort Ashley down there and those kids that just lost the husband and their daddy. When a guy tried to pull out and pass the car and hit him head on. So I'm, I'm just saying, God, well, what about, what about when I challenge people to come to the altars and don't ask you for one thing, but just be thankful for what you've done? God reminded me something when I posed that argument to him. 
because somebody's heavy-hearted here tonight. You got family issues. You got issues. God reminded me. His word says, "For the spirit of heaviness, put on the garment of praise." So, see, sometimes when we think we're so heavy-hearted, that would be a time that there's no way we could go to God and just thank Him for all He's done and never ask Him for a thing. Seems just the opposite of that, according to the Scriptures. Sometimes when you're the heaviest-hearted, what you ought to do for that spirit of heaviness is just begin to thank Him for all He is, for all He's done, and He might do more to heal your broken and heavy heart than you can even imagine and does it without you asking him for one thing, just giving him thanks for who he is and what he's done for you. So can we stand tonight? Can I tell you these altars are open just like they are when we pray to be soul winners, when we pray for the boldness to share our faith, when we pray for the health of someone, when we pray... These altars are open tonight and you've been challenged to come and kneel in these altars tonight and not ask God for a thing. Just give Him thanks for who He is and what He's done. So would you come and just give Him thanks tonight.
Father, we just come to you tonight, and as I knelt on my knees there, and just simply thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. David sang it this morning, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. If we're here tonight, Lord, every one of us ought to be the most thankful for you, the one, the only one who is able to save our souls. But Father, then I can't help but thank you for my family. And I'm like everybody else. I don't have the perfect family, Lord. But I thank you that I got them. I thank you that they trust you. Thank you that they worship you. And I know they're not perfect, but I thank you for them. Thank you for this church that I know is not perfect. We won't be without spot and without blemish until you come and get us. But I thank you to be a part of a good church, even though we have our spots and we have our blemishes. But Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. And we just come to you tonight just to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And even when I begin to think about that family and when I begin to think about this church and how many people that death has come and retrieved and taken from us here. And I just happen to say thank you again. Thank you, Lord, that when death does come and get one of our loved ones, whether it be in this church family or our immediate family, we can thank you because... We know through the death and the burial and the resurrection of your son Jesus, we can thank you in advance because there's going to be a reunion someday, Lord. And we can thank you tonight even in the midst of death because we know there's a reunion day coming. And we know that when you, Lord, reunite us and we're together with you in a place called heaven, There will be no more death. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. These former things will have passed away. And so right down here, while they're still among us, we can still say, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Because there's coming a day when those things will no longer exist. And so tonight, here at our prayer meeting, Lord, We come to these altars, we bow our knees, we bow our hearts. And we're trying our best, Lord, to not ask you for one thing, but simply just to thank you for all that you've given us. And thank you for all that you are. And Father, there's one thing. And if there's someone within the sound of my voice that's never asked this, I know it'd be okay Tonight, in the middle of a Thanksgiving service, where we're not to ask you a thing, it'd be all right for them to ask that tonight. And if they've never asked you to save them and forgive them, it'd be fine for them to ask that tonight. And so in the midst of a Thanksgiving service where we've been challenged not to ask for one thing, my prayer is if there's one that's never asked for salvation, never asked for forgiveness of their sins, to let them know that'd be all right to ask in this Thanksgiving service tonight. And then just give us one more thing to give you thanks for. 
when someone asks for that salvation. Father, we love you and we praise you. And we're just here tonight on a Sunday night prayer meeting just to thank you, Lord, for who you are and all the great things you have done. And thank you in advance, Lord, for all the great things that are to come. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And help us to continue to do it in this service by just singing our praises to you. As we sing about your goodness and about your faithfulness, let us do it with a thankful and a grateful heart tonight. I pray it and ask it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Ought to ready our hearts for us to stand and sing about the goodness of God, huh? You know, if there's one thing that, that we can be thankful for, it's His faithfulness. Above all things, He is faithful in everything that He does for us. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. And all my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so so good every breath that I am able I will see of the goodness of God I love your voice you have led me through the fire darkest night you were close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God can you thank him tonight all my life you have been All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I have made Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Your goodness is running after, it's running after me All my life. 
life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I have given, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. And all my the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Lift this chorus up with your voice. And all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I'm going to ask Dave to go back in that song, and there's a part in that song, and I want him just to read it to us, when it speaks about his voice. Now, while he's looking for that, I want you to think about that song. I want you to think about what we've done tonight. We've just been giving God thanks and giving Him praise. And if you're like me, and I'm assuming because you've got a sin nature, you are. When we're running from Him, we ought to be real thankful that He still chases us and still runs after us. I mean, think about that. There's none who seek God, no, not one. And most of us are doing our best to run from Him. B.C., before salvation, before Christ. And one thing we ought to thank Him for is when we're trying to run from Him, He doesn't ever just throw His hands up and say, well, if they want to run from Him, let it be. He just keeps running after us. Knows who we are and still pursues yes. us and still runs us down. So during that song, I'm just thinking, man, when I was running from him, I'm so thankful he kept running after me. I'm running from him, but thankful that he run after me. Is anybody else like that? Think about that. Sometimes if we just think about the words of these songs a little bit. I love your voice. Did anybody thank him for his voice tonight? I love your voice. Why, look at it. You've led me through the fire. And in the darkest nights, you're close like no other. I love your voice. Man, when you're going through something tough, when you're struggling for that sermon, when you're wondering what you're going to say, when you're going through that darkest time, when you're hurting for a family member, when you're hurting for that doctor's report, when you're hurting for a brother or sister, and you don't know what to say, or you don't know what to do, and then all of a sudden, 
There's a small, still voice. You got that family member that's a long ways and you don't know what to do for them. You wished as a parent you was going through it and they weren't, huh? And in the darkest hour, don't you love that small, still voice that just whispers to you, hey, I've got it. Hey, I know how you feel. Nobody else does, but that voice does. Because that voice is from God. Man, I'm thankful when I was running, Miss Beverly, he was running after me. And I'm really thankful for that voice because it's led me through some dark times. It's led me through the fire. When no other voice could, that voice can. You know why? Look at it. You're close like no other. Man, I'm telling you, I've got a great wife. Her voice is good in some times, but there's no voice better than Jesus. Because He's closer than no other. He can be there when she's not. He can be there when our closest friends are not. That's the voice that will get us through the darkest times, through the hottest flames. Amen. Man, when you listen to those words, it is easy to just be thankful to God and for His goodness and His mercy. Amen. Father, we just come to you again and just continue to give you thanks, continue to give you praise. And the more we sing and the more we listen, we realize how much more we're to be thankful for. Thankful for that when we run from you, you chase after us. Thankful when there's no voices that do us any good. We don't want to hear what the closest people to us have to say. But there's something about that voice in the darkness. That voice that leads us through the fire. And the reason is, you're God, and there's no one any closer. And we thank you for being that God to us tonight. And all God's people said to that, amen and amen, and you may be seated. And Dave's going to come up here in a moment and sing us out, but if we could get some folks back there to flip on the lights, I'm going to give you something to chew on before we leave here. We've designated it as prayer meetings, but we've still tried to look at some scriptures from the book of Ephesians and give us something to chew on. And don't accuse me of preaching as I give you something to chew on tonight from the book of Ephesians. Last week, we looked what it was like to be a child that's near and dear to the heart of God, and that was to be a following child. We need to follow who? God. That was to be a fleeing child, we're to flee what? Sin. And we're to be a fearful child, and we're to fear with reverence the things that God tells us to fear. But then we come to Ephesians 5, and we come to that of verse 7. And he tells us, and I believe it is that of verse 7, He says, Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Had a therefore there, talking about all those sinful things. And then it says in verse 8, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. 
Walk as children of light. And so tonight we've thanked Him. And I want us to think about what it's like to walk in the light. Are you ready? There's a story told to our young'uns, and it ought to be told to all. It's told of about a cave who lived under the ground. That's what caves have a habit of doing. And lived in total darkness. This story should be told to all, though. Because one day the light hollered down to the cave. Hey, cave. Why don't you come out of that darkness and come up here to the light? And the cave simply responded, because I just hang out in darkness, that's what I do. And so the light kept on pleading for the cave to come up and hang out with him, the light. And finally the cave comes up and is in awe of the light because he'd lived all of his life in darkness. He never saw the light. And after he hung out with the light for a while, the cave says to the light, Man, I've come up here to the light. Why don't you come with me down to the darkness? The light says, Fair enough. And so the light followed the darkness, the cave, down into the dark. And when they got there, the light said, We're here. Where's the darkness? Hope you've got it by now. The light went down into the darkness to see the darkness. But the, when the light got to the darkness, the darkness was gone. One Tuesday morning, I was that cave. Didn't know it, but I'd lived 30-something years in the darkness. And little did I know, the one that was speaking to my heart that morning in that old Mack truck was none other than the light telling me to come up here. And when I got up there, I saw the light. And once you're in the light, guess what? There should be no more darkness. Because where there's light, there is no darkness. And so, I want to just challenge you tonight, something to chew on. Paul is saying, walk in the light. And that's what we ought to do. So here, here we go, let's chew on it. If we're going to walk in the light, we're going to have to check out our association with the sinful. Look at verse 7. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. The therefore ties what he's fixing to say to what he's already been said. Go read verses 1 through 7. And he's talking about a sinful habits. And he's saying, therefore, do not be partakers with them. You are now in the light. No more darkness. Cheat and go fast forward to verse 11. It says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. I think Paul is reminding us what the psalmist reminded us in that of Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1. Are you ready for it? Say, I am. You know what it says? It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now watch this. Blessed is the man 
who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Watch the progression of this, or if you will, the degression of this. Nor stands in the path of the sinners. So you were once walking and you thought that was okay, but then all of a sudden you're standing. Don't stand in the path of the sinner. It started out, if you walk with the ungodly, it won't be long, you'll be standing in the path of the sinner. And it went from walking to standing, nor what? Sit in the seat of the scornful. How many have walked with bad company and for long, they're standing in the path of sinners, become a stumbling block instead of a stepping stone to the Lord Jesus Christ. And before you know it, they're not only walking and, and, and standing, now they're sitting right smack dab in the middle of darkness again. And Paul is telling us through this letter, if you want to be children that walk in the light, you've got to check out your association with the sin. See, Billy Parham said it. When I got saved, I had to find a new set of friends. See, because his friends wanted to drag him back into that darkness. And he said, when I got saved, I had to find a whole new set of friends. Now, I'm going to tell you, Billy was brokenhearted for those friends to come up to the light like he was called to the light. But he had enough sense to know that at that point he was way too weak to go back to them friends. And so what I'm telling you, this Bible verse is telling us not to fellowship with them kind of people, but it's not telling us to isolate from this people. When we are strong enough, we cannot, we don't need to fellowship with them, but we are in this world, but we're not of this world, but we're to go to a lost and dying world. When it says not fellowship with them, we just don't hang out with them. Don't mean that we don't pray for them. It don't mean that we don't stop and share our faith and share the Word of God with them. But the Bible is real clear. We can't fellowship with these kind of people because, listen, there's a danger of us becoming these kind of people. We're in this world, but not of this world. And listen, we don't isolate ourselves from them, but we don't fellowship with them. We've got to be careful as children of the light to check out our association with the sinful. Chew on that. Something we're chewing on this week. But if we're going to be children of the light, not only do we have to check out our association with the sinful, but number two, we need to check out our alignment with the Spirit. Look at verse 8. For you were once darkness. Anybody in here once darkness? I was. But now you are light, not in that of yourself, in the Lord. So since you're light in the Lord, look what he says. Walk as children of light. Now look at verse 9. It's in parentheses and he tells us something here. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, I've always said this. People talk about this homosexuality. And they talk about coming out of the closet. Folks, look here. When you're in the light, it's righteousness, it's goodness, and it's truth. Anytime somebody says they've got to come out of the closet... If it's having to be done in the closet, it's not righteousness, it's not good, and it's not truth. 
Folks, if you have to come out of the closet, if you have to come out of the darkness, folks, that tells you, that tells us, it's wrong. It's wrong. Because it was having to be done in the darkness. And so, when we walk in the light, we need to understand that the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. In other words, if it can't be done in broad daylight, it don't need to be done. And so, let me tell you something. And we can trust the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us. Can we not? But the problem is, when we're walking in darkness, we don't have the Holy Spirit. When you are lost and undone, guess what you don't have? You don't have the light. And so I tell the story about a young couple that went to revival, Brother Dave, and got convicted, didn't walk the aisle. But the evangelist and the preacher saw the conviction on him. He didn't come, so they decided to make a visit and try to get him to come back to one of the revival services. And he and his girlfriend did exactly that. The difference was this night when the invitation was given, he didn't hang on to the back of the pew. He got the hand of his girlfriend, and they walked the aisle, and they give their heart and life to Jesus that night. And watch this. The preacher, nor the evangelist, no one said one thing to that man and his girlfriend who was shacked up living together. Not one person. But when they got home, they become convicted of what they'd never been convicted about before in that of living together. And so what they done, listen to this, they moved into separate bedrooms. They abstained from, from, from sex. They, they was trying to get it right, but they continued to read the Scriptures and they realized that wasn't good enough. The pastor hadn't talked to them, but they then went and talked to him and told him about this conviction. Nobody had talked to them. And they got it fixed by simply getting married. Now, what, what's up with that story, preacher? What's up with that story? They was lost. What's up with that story? They was living in darkness. What's up with that story? There was no conviction of them living together, sex out of wedlock together, until they got saved, until they got the light, until they got the Holy Spirit. And listen, when they got the Holy Spirit, it didn't take a preacher going and telling them, evangelist and going and telling them. Listen, they got convicted that they needed to align themselves with the light, align themselves with the Spirit, and they did. How many people in our day and time think this is okay and that is okay and they think it's okay because they don't have the light, they don't have the Spirit, and we can preach to them till we're blue in the face. But until they get saved and until they get the Holy Spirit of God, let me tell you what's going to happen. They're going to justify everything they're doing in the dark. You understand that? And so as children of the light, we just need to check our alignment with the Spirit. I think of another story told about a man who was an alcoholic. He neglected his family. He, he drank up their grocery money. He neglected his household. They didn't have good furniture because all of his wages went to his alcohol. But one day, what happened? The light called him out of the darkness, and he got miraculously saved. 
But, you know, he had drinking buddies. They worked with him. And they didn't like what was happening because he didn't sit around and tell the off-color jokes. And he didn't go with them after work to drink his booze. At lunch, he had his Bible open. He would read it. And, man, they didn't like it, and they'd make fun of him. And one day they walked by while he was reading his Bible at lunch. And they said, hey, Bob, have you read in that book where Jesus turned the water into wine, old buddy? He said, yes, I have, and it's pretty amazing. But what's more amazing than that is he turned my beer into furniture and food. Huh? Pretty good stuff, ain't it? Because he got saved and he got out of darkness and he got into light. And God could turn his beer into food and furniture for his house and for his family. If we're going to walk in the light, we've got to check out our association with the sinful. We've got to check out our alignment with the Spirit. But lastly, and the thing i got for you to chew on before we leave out here, listen to this. We've got to check out our approval with the Savior. Look at verse 10. It says, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. I don't remember if you guys ever remember me talking about preaching my first sermon on Baptist Men's Day, First Baptist Locust Grove. When I preached that sermon, it got back to me that I was approved by the head of the, uh, the WMC, what it, women's... I don't know what it is. What is it, Georgia? WMU? WMU? What's it stand for? We don't have one, and I don't remember either, but we had one where I went. But I preached on my first Baptist Men's Day, the, the, the lay peoples, and I, and I got it. And it got back to me. They said, well, Rob, you, you've got the approval of, and they give her name. She's went on, and I'd like to say the head of the WMU went on to be with the Lord, but I really don't know about her. She's went on. Let's put it that way. And somebody looked at me and said, you know, after your message and your first sermon, we want you to know. And she said that she would give her approval. And I said, well, you let her know if I, you run on to her first. I, you let her know. And if I run on to her first, I'll let her know. I wasn't looking for her approval. When I was asked to preach, I was looking for his. And let me tell you what, I've got two elders sitting right here. And I hope I have their approval, but I hope their approval comes from his approval. And when I preach, you know what I need to be doing? I don't need nobody's approval here. You know what happened to me at Guthrie? Did I tell you I would just speak and I would just want to cripple and whine my way to the car and cripple and whine my way back to the VRBO? Did I tell you what happened on one of those services? I'm just trying to get out of there. And here comes this big old boy and jumps in front of me. He said, you are the preacher, right? I said, I'm the preacher. He said, I've got a problem with you. I said, Ann. He said, you just bashed religion up there. I said, I did? He said, yeah, you did. And he said, I want you to know I'm a Catholic. And I said, and you said you had a problem with man-made religion. I said, I do. And he said, and I'll have you know Peter started the Catholic Church. And I said, and Peter is a... He said, he's a man. I said, okay. He said, but so was Jesus. And I said, yeah, fully man as if he was no God, sir. 
But he was also fully God as if he was no man. I said, can you tell me how come he said, I hunger just like he was man. But then he said, as God, I'm the bread of life. Come to me and eat of this bread and you'll never hunger again. Can you tell me that when he was man, he said, I thirst. But can you tell me that he was fully God when he said, come and drink of this, the living water, and you never thirst again? I said, can you explain that to me, sir? He said, well, not really. I said, he's the one that started the church. Not Peter. And I said, let me tell you something. I told a true story about a Catholic woman and a Pentecostal husband. And they was arguing because they couldn't get along. And I told a story how I turned around and I asked the Catholic lady, have you been born again? And she said, no. And I asked the Pentecostal man, sir, have you been born again? And he said, no. And I said, and I simply stated up there, and I'll state it again, being Catholic won't help you, being Pentecostal won't help you, but the Bible says being born again will. I said, so what I preached up there, sir, unless you be born again, you cannot see or you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what I preached. I said, so look at me. I'm not apologizing to you. And if you took that as me bashing religion, that's exactly what I've done. But I preached, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And that's what my Bible says. And if you've got a Bible, that's what it says. And that old boy looked at me. And he said, I'm glad we could have this discussion. I appreciate it. Thank you. And he went on, watched the opening, and I crippled back to that same chair. I've done just that. See, I don't need his approval. Because I preached the Word of God. And he told me the Catholic Church was started by not a man, but Peter. Have you ever read about Peter in the Bible? He struggled as a man. Anyway, that's just off the cuff. I just knew I'd have to get that out. But I will say this about that old boy. He was right in his place the next two times I spoke. I wanted to tell a bunch more Catholic stories then, but at the flesh. But here's what he told me. He said, well, I am a Catholic that's been born again. And I said, then you don't need to worry about nothing if you've been born again, sir. You've got it. But I said, there's people in the Catholic church that's not been born again. And let me tell you, there's people in the church I preach at in the Baptist church that's never been born again. And I'll preach the same message at the church where I go. I'd preach the same message at the church where you go. And I'm going to preach the same message from the announcer stand at the lazy. But listen, sometimes we want the approval of men. Paul said, don't worry about the approval of men. We're going to stand before God, folks. And when we're walking in the light, we need to have the approval, not of the WMU head honcho lady, not of the Catholic boy at the open. We need to have the approval of the Savior. Do you understand that? And see what breaks my heart about people who claim to be saved when it comes to the subject of sexual immorality, when it comes to the subject, subject of the death penalty, when it comes to the subject of abortion they don't really know what God approves of there and what he don't approve of have you ever thought about that so called Christian people that claim to have the light when it comes to those those subjects those things they really are not aware of what he approves folks I want to spend enough time with him and in his word to know what he approves 
and what he don't approve. And if we're going to be people who walk in the light, we've got to know what he approves of and what he don't approve of. Here's what I tell people when it comes to day work. The longer you day work and work somebody's cattle with them, you learn what they approve and what they don't when you're working their cattle. Bo can relate to this. When you go out for the first time to work for somebody and you got your rope on and, 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 and used to, when you're young, you want to rope something. You are foaming at the ma- You don't want them to all go to the pen because you want to rope something, right? And so you're just like Doc Holliday. You just got your fingers on your rope and you're just hoping and praying, I hope they don't go in that pen. I hope the biggest, baddest one runs out of there because I want to rope it. But here's the problem. You better be looking at the boss because the boss may not want them when they, when they bust wide open. He may not want his cattle roped. So the more times you work with somebody and you day work with them, you know what he approves of and what he don't. When one cuts back, you learn, hey, I know what he wants. He wants it roped. He wants it back right now. Hey, this guy don't want it roped. He wants us to cut out two or three with it and, and go put with that one and bring it back gently and easy. Are you with me? But until you spend time with those bosses and on those ranches and on those guys, you don't really know what they approve of. But the more you're with them, you know what they approve of. Therefore, you know what to do when you're working with them. You have to spend time with those guys to know what's accepted, what's approved, and what's not accepted, and what's not approved. Isn't it the same with God? You've got to spend time in His Word. You've got to spend time with Him in prayer. And if you don't, you'll never know what He approves and what He don't approve when it comes to the subject of abortion and, and, and drinking and alcohol and drugs and cussing and gambling and sexual immorality. Listen, if you don't spend some time with Him in His Word, and listen, if He don't approve of it, you better not be approving of it. Let me just tell you how dangerous that is. Have you ever read Romans chapter 1? Surely a Sunday night crew. There ain't nobody that can say, nope, never read that one, preacher. When you go read Romans chapter 1, he goes down through there, and, and from about verse 16 on, he begins to name sin, and he calls it what it is. And, and if you want to know what he thinks about a lot of things, go read Romans chapter 1 tonight. And I mean, he, he don't really leave a stone unturned there. He talks about all of it. Stealing, uh, maliciousness, I'm envy. I mean, I'm not reading it. I'm not there. Maybe I should just go there. Right here. I'm just going to start at Romans chapter 1. It's just 720. We got a while. Let me just start at verse 18, and this will give us something to think about right here. Because I'm concerned about people not knowing of what God approves and disapproves, okay? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. 
For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Without excuse. Because, although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. Boy, it's a dangerous thing not to be grateful, thankful. And we speak about something like that this morning. But became futile in their thoughts, and in their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they become fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore, because they done this, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged, listen to this, the truth of God for the lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, By the way, he says, the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now listen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due. Isn't it something we They're receiving the penalty of the error which is due. Could it be called HIV? Could it be called AIDS? Isn't it something that we've got an advertisement on TV? Have you seen it? Of how to deal with AIDS. And there's two men kissing on there. Maybe a better commercial would be. Let's read Romans chapter 1 on there. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a debased mind. To do those things which are not fitting. Watch this. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, and they are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, Listen to this one. Inventors of evil things. Hey, just think of something to be evil. Invent it. Disobedient to parents. Ain't it something how you can't get on to somebody that's... I mean, you can't make your own kids mind anymore. Undiscerning. Untrustworthy. Unloving. What I'm trying to say, I've went and read this... He lists some sins, folks. He tells us what he approves of and what he disapproves of. And he gives us a pretty good list. He don't leave a whole lot out of it, does he? Unforgiving, unmerciful. Who knowing, listen to this, the righteous judgment of God 
And that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Stop. Don't read no farther. Oops. Now, it's pretty important right there that we know what he approves or disapproves of because God said, anybody that practices these things that I don't approve, what do they deserve? God said it, I didn't. What do they deserve? What do they deserve? What do they deserve? God says that. God says that. But what ought to alarm people is what the rest of that chapter says. You ready for it? Not only do the same, but those who also approve. So if you say it's okay, God just said, guess what you deserve? The same thing they deserve. Let me give you something to chew on. Let me give you something to look into. You ought to find out what God approves of. Because if you don't approve what he approves of, and you approve what he don't approve of, he said, not me, you deserve death, just like the ones that are practicing it. Folks, that ought to be alarming to people who put their name beside politicians that approve these things that are being done. Are you listening here tonight? Something we ought to look into if we're going to walk as children of light. And I close with this. And wouldn't you know it, it's got a Catholic ring to it. Because they were sitting in the Catholic church and the little boy looked up at all the stained glass windows and all the people in them. And he looked over at his mama and he said, Who are those people, mama? She said, That's the saints, son. She said, What do they do? She just slapped him and said, Pay attention, boy. He just began to continue to stare at him, stare at him. Finally, he leaned over and he said to his mom, I figured out what they do, mom, never mind. She said, oh, you did? She said, yeah, they let the light in. Folks, the Bible calls you and I saints. And we're not Catholic that I know of. We're just Christians, born-again children of God. But I think the little boy hit the nail on the head. You know what a saint is? They're the one that lets the light in. So when you go out into a dark world this week, go ahead and be a saint. Go ahead and be one that lets the light shine through you into a lost and dying and a dark and a damned and a doomed world. Let's sing our way out of here, Dave. And we can let our light shine for God who is faithful. Amen. Let's end with this this great old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is Thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow or turning with Thee. Thou changest not Thy compassion. They fail not.
as thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning I see all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in the faithfulness morning by morning new mercies I see all I have needed thy hand hath provided great is thy faithfulness Lord unto me pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow blessings all mine with ten thousand beside great is thy faithfulness Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Amen.